Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. So before we begin, can you please tell us your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? My name is Kevin Dorman. I use they, them, theirs pronouns. I am located in Greensboro, North Carolina, and my practice is Prismatic Speech Services. Oh, fantastic. You know, Kevin, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time now. Um, You're a a wonderfully active member of the SLP Private Practice Beginners Facebook group, and I appreciate you um, being on there. Um, What I would love to know about is, is before we dive into your life as a private practitioner, Tell us about your early life as a speech language pathologist and early career as a speech, as an SLP and how you kind of got started in this field. So I first went into my undergraduate study planning on majoring in acting in theater and becoming an actor, just like my older brother. He's out in Los Angeles right now making a living as an actor. Um, one semester in and I knew that it wasn't the right choice for me. Um, However, so I, I started to look into other careers and opportunities to channel my, my passion for voice because I, ever since I was little, I wanted to be a, primarily a voice actor for cartoons. Interesting. Uh, and so I wanted a more practical way to channel my love of voice and that vocal experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speech language pathology came across my path. I took an intro course and I was like, yes, this is fantastic. This is exactly the synthesis of all of my interests. And before then, I did not consider myself a science-oriented person. Mm-hmm. Um, but speech-language pathology was just like the perfect avenue for me to discover, wow, I, I do love science. I just haven't been exposed to the right area yet. Um, and so I began taking my undergrad classes and... Um, about my my junior year of undergrad, I found out that I was transgender. Found out is a weird way to phrase it. 
I, I pieced together from bits of my past and how I was feeling that I was transgender. And right about that time in our voice class, we started discussing transgender vocal training. Interesting. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. Um, and so since that point, I've been basically doing whatever I can to pursue that path. Um, I knew that realistically, it would take like five to 10 years beyond when I graduated from graduate school to begin doing this work. But I was like, that's okay. I'll, I'll make, con make contacts. I'll converse with people who specialize, go to ASHA, take those courses, you know, yeah. um, take a workshop or two. And went through, through undergrad, went through graduate school. Graduate school, I had the fortunate experience undergoing transgender vocal training from the client's perspective. And that was fantastic. And it really taught me a lot about how it is to be a client and sort of be yeah. in that vulnerable position. Because when, when you're a client, the clinician has so much power. Even if you're good friends with that clinician and you know them, because this was one of my classmates that was taking me through this, yeah. being a clinician is a very powerful position to be in. Absolutely. So what did you, it sounds like it was one of your friends who, who did the therapy with you, right? Yes, definitely. So so what did you learn about that experience in terms of how you wanted to practice um, when, when it was then going to be you as the clinician? Absolutely. So it was, it was clear to me that if I didn't have a personal relationship with that clinician or, you know, at least a friendly uh, working relationship with that clinician, that my progress would have been a lot slower if not non-existent. Especially in, in trans work, knowing that your clinician is culturally aware and comfortable with transgender people and has at least a base knowledge of the transgender population and culture, that was really helpful because I think if it was just like someone that I hadn't met before, I think if it was someone that I hadn't met before, I may have not shown up at all. But knowing that it was someone who knew the transgender population and at the very least was friendly towards the transgender population was very, very important to me. Absolutely. So, so trusting your clinician as a person, in addition to, you know, trusting their clinical skills, yes. but it sounds like being able to trust the, the interpersonal relationship for you yeah. almost came before thinking about the clinical skills or maybe about the same. Very much so. I've heard from a lot of other voice therapists, too, that working on the voice, and especially with trans voice, involves a lot more counseling than other areas of speech-language pathology, which has been my experience as well. And for counseling to be effective, you have to be a person to them, right? And not just a list of credentials. And that very much so informs how I approach my relationships with my clients. I, I make it very clear that we are here for them right? To become more comfortable with the instrument that they have. I'm not here to push upon them a set of gender politics or stereotypical behaviors. This is all about the client and what the client wants to get done. So before we, we dive into kind of what you're doing now, which I, I can't wait to hear more about where you're finding your clients and whether you're seeing people in person or telepractice and all those kind of questions, how, what did you do? So you, you graduated from grad school. What yes. was your CF like? A disaster, I would say. <laughs> Unequivocally. I did my best. Um, but it was, my first position was in a skilled nursing facility in rural North Carolina. 
and my second position was in an elementary school in rural North Carolina, neither of which were ready to handle someone who is not straight and not cisgender and proud of their identity. And as such, I, there was a lot of, um, culture shock and, and barriers to being effective working with those populations. It was, it was very tough for me and very tough for my clients. And I, I left those experiences feeling very dejected and feeling like, my career was totally thrown off the rails. I didn't think there was, I started to explore other options other than speech language pathology. I was just like, well, that's it. I gave it my best shot. Time to go somewhere else. Thank Uh, goodness you didn't give up. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes. It's, I agree. Um, Right. I mean, as if your CF isn't hard enough. I mean, I think, you know, your CF is tough, right? So not only did you, were you dealing with, with acclimating to, you know, this profession that you still had a lot to learn about, but to deal with all those other issues too, I, I can only imagine how difficult that was. I sort of reached this point where I said, all right, I have a choice to make. I can either try and open my private practice or revolving around transgender voice, which is something that I think I can do and can do well, um, or I need to find another career path. Um, and so I opened up my private practice, uh, spent about half a year planning and getting ready for it. And thankfully, details in my life had aligned to the point where I could make this leap and say, all right, well, if it works out, great. But if not, I still have other options. So that flexibility was, was very important. So I, I opened up my practice and um, still seeking out more and more workshops and more information about transvocal training and how other people approach it. I had a couple clients where I offered reduced prices as I was very new to having a private practice and very new to, to well, basically everything. And they were very accommodating and very, very willing to work with me for that price. And from those couple of first clients, I learned so much and was able to grow so much as a clinician to the point where I was like, okay, I can really start going full steam ahead now. And probably first clients became maybe good referral sources for you. Maybe they told friends that they had had good experiences with you or kind of helped spread the word maybe that you were, you were here and taking people. Unfortunately, not the first couple of clients, okay. but soon after I had a client who had a wonderful experience with me and has very much so been a voice for referrals and saying, oh, you need to go to Kevin. Kevin knows what they're talking about and is a, a great resource here. So I, without, I am so grateful for those clients who have been so impacted by my services that they feel comfortable enough to recommend me to other people. It's just, it's really humbling. You know, I, I follow, um, your, your private practices, Facebook page. And so I've noticed that you've done what seems to be a, a nice amount of events in your community. Yes. Talk absolutely. A little bit about the events that you have, have put on or been a part of. Sure, absolutely. Uh, So getting the word out about transgender vocal training has been a huge component of opening up this private practice. Uh, The awareness that this is a service that transgender people can utilize is not widely known. And where it is known, there is a great deal of misinformation or experience with culturally incompetent clinicians or, you know, a number, a host of other problems. People watching YouTube videos, right, and trying to kind of do some of their own work. I've heard some of that. 
that can definitely be uh, a risk as well. So I began attending LGBT-centric events, as many as I could, and just to be a part of the community and uh, raise awareness of my services. My, my friends and I were pretty much all queer, pretty much all trans, mm-hmm. and we're a very insular group. So I was like, okay, I need to go out into the community and engage with the community more before I start trying to sell them something. Otherwise, I'll just be another outsider. Great. And so I began to find ways to engage with the uh, trans community, such as pride events or hosting uh, informational sessions at our local LGBT center, going to support groups that I had gained consent of the members, uh, going to support groups where I had prior permission to attend by the members thereof to make sure that I wasn't invading a safe space. Um, Let's see, what else have I done? Um, I started offering group sessions at our local LGBT center for free for financially restricted clients who couldn't afford one-on-one sessions. Um, And that's been a pretty big success. All sorts of community outreach just to have these conversations and let them know that I'm here and I'm not trying to take advantage of them and that I, I really just want to help people. Absolutely. And that you're offering a service that is so beneficial for people, right? Um, It's beneficial and it's rare to find, especially outside of the major cities like New York and Seattle and Los Angeles. There aren't many practitioners doing this work in North Carolina, and there are even less who are doing it via telepractice. And that's been a huge, huge component in my private practice's success. Yeah, let's talk about that next. So, so where are you finding your telepractice clients and what does that kind of look like for you, the telepractice aspect of your work? Sure, absolutely. So I started out by contacting, from the ground up, I knew that telepractice was going to be a critical component for my practice's success. Um, Greensboro, North Carolina, it's a fairly lovely city, but we don't have too large of a population and even smaller of a trans population. And distance is such a limiting factor. You know, I went to undergrad at UNC Greensboro and there were people driving from two hours away to be seen at that clinic. That's a five hour commitment. But clearly, it was so important to them that they would make that sacrifice if they had to. But why have people sacrifice that if they don't need to, right? So I went to to an ASHA convention, 2016, I believe it was 2016, maybe 2015, and attended a talk by Jack Pickering, who was discussing outcomes using telepractice with transgender folks. And what he had basically found, him and his researchers had found, was that the outcomes were fantastic and that there was really no difference between those who had received their services via telepractice versus in person. From my memory, it's been a couple of years, so I apologize if that's slightly inaccurate. But the outcomes were very, very good. And so I said, okay, well then let's, let's right. go for it. Yeah, because people in rural areas need access to these services too. You know, not everyone wants to live around a large city and that shouldn't impact their ability to have their health needs met. Absolutely. So I began researching telepractice and different platforms to host people and sessions on and Zoom seemed like a pretty good fit. Zoom is fantastic, and I really haven't had any problems with it. And the program is so small that people can install it on 
smartphones with not a lot of data. You can really turn down the resolution and the frames per second in Zoom, so you can even reach people with low bandwidth. It's, it's a fairly flexible program. Um, all right, so back on track. Uh, I'd st I started reaching out to practitioners all across North Carolina just saying, hey, uh, not many people know about this service, so I would love to have a conversation with you just to let you know what I do, what I'm all about, and hopefully I can be of use to your clients. Um, and thankfully, the, the many of the practitioners were, were happy to receive my email and responded very warmly. Um, because the, it, voice is such a huge component, particularly for trans feminine folks of, of feeling comfortable with their body and, and feeling empowered by the voice that they have. Well, and I, I bet you some of those practitioners felt relieved to have someone to refer people to. Yes. Right? Because like if they got, you know, a, a referral um, for trans voice and they thought, well, this isn't something that I feel um, confident in my ability to do well and yeah. wanted to refer to someone else they may not have had anyone to refer to until you absolutely. came along right absolutely and most of the people that i was reaching out to were social workers and counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists who who did not have the background to do this work and so thankfully the the response from the mental health community has been phenomenal and as i've had good experiences with their clients they've reported back to their counselors because pretty much everyone who works with the transgender population approaches it from a very i don't know what the word is here i'm not i, I want to say client centric i want to say i'm not sure um but they want to make sure that they're referring their clients to people who are providing good services right and so thankfully they've had good experiences with me and have reported back uh, those experiences, which has resulted in more referrals, which results in more good experiences. And it's just so it's all snowballed from there. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear Kevin. <laughs> so what is a kind of day in the life like for you these days? So my attention is split across many different tasks and it's starting to get a little overwhelming for me. I pretty much throughout the day. I, I meet with clients whenever they're available, pretty much. Um, I'm available six to seven days a week, depending on when people can meet. But writing out blog posts, writing, meeting with clients, writing up their homeworks, reaching out to new practitioners that I haven't met before, because as a part of my telepractice, I've been expanding my licensure to surrounding states as well. I was going to ask about that. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's made a big difference because, I mean, North Carolina doesn't have these services. South Carolina doesn't have these services. Virginia has very few services. So, and clearly there's a need. So I'm more than happy to help fill that. My, my, my personal life as well, I suppose, is also important, right? It's yeah, not just of course. I, I am very fortunate to have a very supportive husband and a close couple of friends, uh, all of whom we all live together in this giant house that I'm in currently. Um, and my private practice is also in this house as well. So that's really helped out with uh, the cost of opening my private practice. And, and well, you many can't beat the commute. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> right, you've got a great commute. And then also because of the telepractice, right, you can you commute to other people with, you know, the click of the Zoom. Absolutely, through the internet tubes. It's great. Oh my gosh, what a great setup. So okay. it sounds like you have done a really nice job of two things. One, 
educating people in your area and surrounding areas about the services that you provide. Because as you mentioned, you know, not everyone knows about the service and how, how you can help, you know, the trans population, right? So yes. you're, you're educating people that hey, this is a thing <laughs> and this is a thing that I can do and do well. So, you know, refer to me if you get to somebody, right? The yes. other thing that you, you have done is you've done a really nice job of making contact with people who know your ideal clients, mm. right? And expanding the web, you know, not just telling SLPs about it, but like you mentioned, you know, um, mental health people and doctors and you know, all kinds of anyone who um, uh, community centers, anyone yes. who is likely to know your client because doing that legwork now will be really, really important. You know, use the word snowballing. I mean, yes. this is just going to continue to snowball because I would imagine that you're one of not that many practitioners in North Carolina and maybe even that part of the South who are really doing this. Very much so. And, you know, I, I getting on resource lists that are published by those centers and, and community areas, Virginia, actually, their Department of Health has a list of like transgender resources, which was very surprising to me, but I was more than thrilled to hear about. Um, but yeah, reaching out, reaching out to communities that have contact with the communities that you're trying to reach has been so key. Yeah, that's great. So what are your plans for the future? You know, what do you see the next six months to a year from now for your private practice and yourself? Hopefully a lot of growth. I, I'm still trying to grow my clients. I <laughs> grow my client base, possibly expanding to uh, other surrounding states as well and um, participating in pride events. We have a number of pride events coming up uh, in, Green in North Carolina and in the surrounding areas, but that's just a whole another complicated mess. I, I really hope that I can publish content more reliably in the future because that's been a great area of connecting with people and, and getting these resources out to people who cannot afford to see a speech language pathologist. Um, and cost is a, is a big limiting factor. Um, so maybe that should be mentioned as well. Uh, maybe getting in network with some insurance companies. I'm all private pay right now, and that's been a, a fairly limiting factor for people receiving these services. Insurance companies rarely reimburse for transgender voice, so perhaps going to bat for some of my clients and learning the ropes of how to get reimbursed for those services and help my services be more accessible to a wider variety of clients with less financial means to receive them. Yeah. And I'm hoping that the, you know, insurance is becoming, I think, more restricted on lots of things, mm. but I'm, I'm hopeful that, um, that this may be an area where actually become, you know, there's more coverage for perhaps, yes. I don't know, maybe I'm, I mean, I'm sort of an optimistic person by nature, but I think that, you know, um, I think you're smart to keep all payment options open too. Yeah. Um, sure. And, you know, you never know where where funds might be able to come from. Another thing, um, you're in Greensboro. Does UNC Greensboro have an SLP program? Yes, they have uh, a very active speech language pathology program, uh, which is uh, nationally known for their transgender voice work. Good. Yeah, because that was yeah. going to be another thing I was going to say, you know, in terms of your own impact would be, you know, training 
uh, training SLPs to do this. Yeah. So are you thinking about doing any um, workshops for SLPs or training to help more of us know how to do this work? Absolutely. I, I am always open to collaborating with any group um, and spreading these resources around and, and this knowledge around because uh, the more practitioners doing this work, the more chance that everyone's needs will be met. Uh, hopefully this upcoming spring, I'll be taking on my first uh, student clinician as a part of their externship program. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. I think it'll go fantastic, but um, it will be a new experience for me. So my anxiety is, is sending me all sorts of signals about that, but <laughs> I think it'll go well. I'm just, I just, I need to make sure that I have a healthy enough client base so that that clinician also receives enough hours to, to for their externship and that they're not just like coming here and twiddling their thumbs waiting for that next client. And so that's put a decent amount of pressure on me to grow as rapidly as I can for the next several months before the spring when this student clinician might be joining my practice here. Well, um, and how lucky for them though that they're going to be exposed to something that they you know probably wouldn't I mean, I know that you said that they have a nice clinic there, but um, they may not be able to do otherwise. And, and hopefully, too, as you start to expand the telepractice anyway to some more of these neighboring states, yes. that, that certainly um, might help you grow. But, you know, I'm just so impressed with um, your, how do I say this, your, um, I guess I'm going to say drive. I don't know if that's the right word, but you're, you know, you're, you're really putting yourself out there. And, you know, in your local community, but also your neighbor, surrounding neighboring, you know, community. And I think that that's really, really important. And that's something that some people struggle with being um, nervous about um, talking about themselves and their services. And I think that it sounds like one of the things that you're doing is to really be focused on what this does for the client, right? And saying that this is, yeah. this is how I can help the person yes, this is part of a business, you know, that I run and get paid for, but it really is um, a, a vital service for the trans population. Thank you. Yes. The more you do it, the easier it gets to put yourself out there. I am someone who I mentioned previous little bit before, I'm someone who experiences a great deal of anxiety and a great deal of depression with just like a splish splash of ADHD on top of that. So there are a decent amount of mental health factors that are going into my ability to reach out. And this is just exposure therapy. This is just, you got to put yourself through it and it'll get easier over time. And, you know, I, I really enjoy this work. And so talking about something that I'm passionate about is a lot easier for me than if I didn't truly believe in what I did. So if you believe in what you do and you're proud of what you do and what you do for the community that you're trying to work with, then people will respond positively to that. Oh, what a lovely um, statement to kind of wrap up on. You know, Kevin, I am just, again, I am so impressed with what you're doing. I'm so thankful to have crossed paths with you. And I'm sure your, you know, your clients feel certainly the same way. So um, I'm hoping that we can keep in touch as you continue to grow and continue to serve and make an impact. And um, again, just please keep in touch and let us all know uh, what you end up doing in the next you know, couple months, years, and then some. 
Absolutely, will do. And, and thank you for providing such excellent resources because I, I would have been so much more lost without the SLP Private Practice Beginners Group. And it's just such a, such a wonderful place to go and know that people are right there along with you and we're all in this together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. And related to that, can you tell people where they can find some of your blog posts and information? Is there a website they can go to? Absolutely. You can find out. Yeah, you can find out more about my business at prismaticspeech.com. My biggest, most ambitious page is prismaticspeech.com slash TVT for transvocal training. I'm, I'm working very hard on that. And it's not quite done yet, but maybe by this time this airs, it'll be more done. And you can also find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, all at Prismatic Speech. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being with us tonight, Kevin. And good luck with everything. Thank you so much, Jenna. You're welcome. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I have created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.